That gospel passage is most of the final section of the ninth chapter of the Gospel of Mark. So please, this week, open that up, reread it, reflect on it. There are in there several different teachings of Jesus that are related to one another, but they're different teachings. One commonality that I see in all of them is that they're about faith in action now. A Christian is supposed to be a person who recognizes that Jesus is the savior of the world, who listens to what he teaches through the scripture and the teaching of the church. A Christian is supposed to be a person who comes to understand as quickly as possible Jesus's teachings. And a Christian is always supposed to be someone who acts on those teachings. Christian life is not supposed to mostly be about thinking, certainly not mostly about talking about, I believe this, I believe that. It is about acting in word and in action. It's supposed to be about acting now. The now part should not be taken for granted, and we all take for granted the now part in different ways. So I'll give you some examples from that gospel passage. First teaching in there from Jesus is his disciple John. I think this is the only time that John speaks in the Gospel of Mark. He says to Jesus that he and his fellow disciples have encountered a man who is trying to dispel demons in the name of Jesus. But this man, John says, doesn't follow us. He doesn't say he doesn't follow you, Jesus, which is supposed to be the point. He doesn't follow us. So we try to prevent him from doing it. Jesus responds to this with a clear teaching, do not prevent him. And then he explains the teaching that anyone who is working in his name cannot be against him. So there's the teaching. John and the other disciples have to make a decision whether they're going to act on this now. The first reading we just heard from the book of Numbers, chapter 11, has the very same teaching from the time of Moses the very same situation with which those disciples are probably familiar from the scripture. The teaching has been around for 13 centuries. Jesus has just clarified it. So when are they supposed to act on it? Now, 13 centuries, and you haven't yet got the point. They are supposed to not prevent that man now. Second teaching in there, Jesus says that if anyone gives a person who belongs to Christ, in one way we all belong to Christ, but I think it's supposed to be someone who's actually working in the world for Jesus. If somebody gives one who belongs to Christ a cup of water, that person who gives surely will not lose his reward. The, pretty easy to hear that. I see a person working for Jesus who is thirsty the teaching is give the person a cup of water and you won't lose your reward. It's pretty easy to understand. And I am supposed to therefore act on this now. So I am here working for Jesus. I'm thirsty. And you sit there and you say, well, he's thirsty. You're supposed to act on this now. I am thirsty now. Well, geez, I hope someone will relieve that poor psychotic priest. I am thirsty now. This guy is kind of a nut job, isn't he? I am thirsty now. Thank you. I mean, what was so hard about that? Right, so obviously, oh, you want it back. <laughs> well, I'll talk to you after mass. Uh, now, 
next teaching in there, Jesus says, if anyone causes one of these little ones to sin, remember last week, little one certainly refers to children, but it also refers to anybody who's vulnerable. And that verb in Greek is, it's, in English we would translate it scandalize. It comes from throwing down something that will make someone stumble. If anyone causes a vulnerable, sincere believer through my action, through my words, to sin, it would be better for that person to have a large millstone. In Greek, it's the, the, a donkey stone, a really heavy millstone that a donkey is needed to move it. It would be better for that person to have a millstone thrown over his neck and thrown into the sea to drown, to die. If you cause someone else to sin, it would be better for you to be thrown into the sea and die. Imagine if Christians just took that seriously, beginning with priests. Imagine in the last hundred years of our church, if even just priests took that seriously, how different this church and this world would be. Act now. Once you hear it, what, you know, 25 years from now, I'll get around to that? Obviously, act now. Then there's a series of teaching in there where Jesus says the same thing, parallel. If your hand causes you to sin, cut it off. If your foot causes you to sin, cut it off. If your eye causes you to sin, pluck it out. It would be better for you to enter into life, to enter into life, to enter into the kingdom of God, to live a holy life with maimed or crippled or with one eye than with two hands or two feet or two eyes to be thrown into Gehenna. What is Gehenna? Hell. That's Jesus' time and place term for hell. Are we supposed to take this literally? Well, if it were, we'd be sitting here with no hands, no feet, and no eyes, right? We wouldn't be very useful. It's exaggerated language, but it's exaggerated language to get our attention. Whatever in your life leads you to sin, cut it out now. Get rid of it now. Whatever loss, whatever pain is involved in that, it's better for you to do this now and to live a holy life than to keep these things and to go to hell. Now, once you hear that, it's now. I'll get around to that. You know, I'll put it in my calendar for November. It's now. At some point in my life, I will address my consistent sin. It's now. Finally, lest you fall into the perilous heretical error of sort of blanking out that hell stuff, in the second reading we just heard from St. James, James is writing to people who claim to be Christian around 90 or 100 AD, and to us today, under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit. He's writing in this passage to people who claim to be disciples of Jesus, who have earthly wealth. Nothing good or bad about wealth, as we've talked about many times. It's neither here nor there. It's what you do with it. He's writing to people who have earthly wealth, who have heard the teaching of Jesus, but make the choice to hold on to their wealth jealously for themselves, and even rip off other people who work for them by giving them un not giving them the wages they should have. James says, if you have heard the teaching of Jesus and you know it, 
but you do not use your wealth to serve Jesus in the world, the cry of the people who have suffered your injustice has reached the ears of the Lord of hosts, and you are going to be wailing and crying. He gives an image that your great clothing and your physical wealth has corroded, and the corrosion will be a testimony against you. The image is that it will burn you. It will destroy you in flames. Yikes! I mean, that is really harsh, and it's true. If I hear that passage and I understand it, which I think I do, I have to make a choice to act on it now. If I'm someone who is selfishly hoarding material wealth and not using it to live the love of Jesus, now I should change. Now I can change, but now I can die tonight and I'm gonna be wailing and crying or I can be living in his love. So to repeat, everything about Christian life is supposed to be about understanding Jesus' teaching and acting now. I encourage you to consider that in your own lives this week, and then as a parish community, to consider that in two things every last weekend of September, we always review. Let me back up one second. The now. That's why we should be examining our consciences every day. Now, today, how am I living a holy life How am I sinning? That's what we do when we go to confession. Right now, what is my holiness? What is my sinfulness? If right now I am struck dead, that is what Jesus is gonna tell me. Here's your holiness, here's your sinfulness, right now. That's about individual lives, married lives, family lives, and a parish family life. So here are the two faith in action questions I invite you to consider this weekend. The first is our Coruna Meal Center next door. Lawrence is unfortunately still the economically poorest community in Massachusetts. The latest census figures, the 2020 census, the average per capita income in our city is $20,858. And I still haven't dug deeply enough into it. I'm not sure that may include COVID assistance from the government. $20,858 average per capita income in a city in which two-thirds of our households are led by one person. The stark reality is in our community still, 75% of our children are at risk for hunger any single day. 15 years ago, this week, September 30th, 2006, we opened our Coruna Meal Center to offer free, abundant, nutritious breakfast every day, and the same for dinner every day to anyone in Lawrence who's hungry. The only reason we did that was because we come to church or we sit at home and we hear Jesus say the first three things I will review with you in your judgment is when I was hungry, did you feed me or not? When I was thirsty, did you give me drink or not? When I was a stranger, did you welcome me or not? The only reason we opened that meal center was to put our faith, we get it, we understand it, into action now in 2006. We have never failed to open those doors 
from September 30th, 2006 until today, we typically serve 250,000 meals a year through Cor Unum. That is real, and that is amazing. We have never failed to open the doors through tropical storms, through blizzards, through the gas disaster. The morning after the gas disaster, those doors were opened for to-go meals, and through COVID. March 15th or 16th, 2020, when everything was shut down, we opened those doors and served to-go meals. And we have served to-go meals every single morning, every single evening through COVID. That is amazing. That is real. That is faith in action now. As you guys know, almost everybody who works at Core Unum is a volunteer, and that includes many of you. So I hope this week you can reflect on that. 15 years without fail, blessed are you. We're, we have a reduced volunteer staff because they're to-go meals. There still are volunteer opportunities. You can just go online and ask. But I hope as we get past COVID, even more of us than before will be active in that meal center. Second thing this weekend, every year we do, is to be realistic about the finances of our parish. This parish costs a lot of money to do God's work in a really big parish. Last year, we needed $1.2 million to fund just the basic ministries of our parish. From 50,000 feet, you would say St. Patrick Parish in Lawrence is closed because there isn't enough money in that community to do God's work. And certainly, there isn't something like $1.2 million. So if you're a registered parishioner, you should have received by bulk mail, which can take between a week and three years these days. But hopefully, you've received this streamlined annual financial report. If you haven't, you can pick one up in the welcome centers on your way home. There's a more extended one with more details online. You will see in here, down and dirty, black and white, the answer to the question, who are those people in St. Patrick Parish in terms of sacrificing their treasure to do God's work, particularly in the midst of COVID? So the really quick bullets, when you read this, in our last fiscal year, July of 2020 to June 30th, 2021, we balanced our budget. We more than balanced our budget not to be taken for granted. Many, many, many parishes with much higher per capita incomes, unfortunately, have not done that for the past two years. Our offertory income understandably went down when we were outdoors celebrating masses for a full year, but that income has risen since we've been back to a full liturgical schedule. During COVID, when as many as 33% of people in Lawrence were unemployed, we beat our goal last fall for our grand annual appeal, and we beat our goal in the spring for our spring appeal, the two big collections we have each year. We have managed to keep a very solid savings for future rainy days in this parish. This is not to be taken for granted. Let me tell you, this place could be closed. This place is thriving. We sacrificed more than a million dollars to redo all of these windows during COVID. So many of you sacrifice your treasure consciously as Christian stewards to support the work of Jesus in this parish. Blessed are you.
and I hope when you consider that this week, you feel as blessed as I do to be part of this community. Final part, faith in action. First weekend of October every year, we take up our grand annual appeal. As I mentioned, one of the two big collections that we need to keep ourselves in the black. If you are a registered parishioner, you should have been mailed a letter with an envelope. If not, these are available in the welcome centers. We need to raise at least $165,000 in this appeal, and we will. We always meet our goals. Even if I have to go to your home at night and take your car, we will meet this goal. And particularly if you're new here, there are three elements to how we meet our goals. If you say, Father Paul, shut up, you say this all the time, nothing could give me greater pleasure than you've got this committed. We expect 100% participation, every single one of us, to give a generous, sacrificial contribution to this collection. 100% participation. Fair is fair. You and I all believe that we are all equally entitled to the ministries of Jesus Christ through this parish. If I came in here today and I said, this side of the church is eligible to meet with a priest, you are not. You would say that's ridiculous. If I came in here and I said, Hispanic kids have access to the parish center, but not white kids or Asian kids, you would say that's ridiculous. We're all equally children of God. If I came in here and I said people over 30 are eligible for catechetical programs, but not people under 30, you would say that's ridiculous. Fair is fair. Every one of us is equally responsible for supporting the ministries of this parish. Every single one of us. So I actually don't have electronic spies, but I am the person who signs the letters and the thank you letters. My impression is almost all of you participate in this collection. If you're one of the minority who doesn't, I just really encourage you to get past yourself and to jump in. I don't know anyone who's ever come to me and said, wow, that just killed me. You know, giving that money, it was so painful and I lost my house over this. 100% participation. Number two, generous. God is generous. God is nothing but generous. God always gives us more than we need. Corunum is the proof. God is never stingy. God is never cheap. If I am going to give a gift for God to do God's work, and if I'm offering it to God, it needs to be generous. Generous for some of us is 500 bucks. Generous for you guys, maybe 20 bucks for you guys who are young. I, in this community, with people who live under bridges in our parish and people who have multiple large homes in our parish, when we are all generous according to our means, of course God gives us all the money we need to do God's work. So when you make, write your check or when you're going to do this online, just consider honestly what is generous for you. I, was, I saw a parishioner this week who some people in this community give five-figure gifts to this. This person had already given, sent in a five-figure gift for this grand annual. He gave me the equal five-figure gift this week. And he said, I realize I'm in a position where I can be more generous. So I went home and yesterday I'm filling out my check. I have no horn to toot, so this is about this guy, not me. And I looked at what I gave last year and it really was generous for me. But I also realized 
I can double that. I do have the capacity to double that. I want to be more generous. I'm not suggesting that we all double our gifts, but I have that capacity, and I believe plenty of us do. So generous. Finally, sacrificial. Love, if it's true, is ultimately sacrificial. The full revelation, Jesus sacrifices his entire life for the salvation of the worst sinner who would be me. Love is sacrificial. If I am giving a gift in this or any collection to spread the love of Jesus Christ, it needs to be sacrificial, meaning, this is what I did yesterday, I look at that amount of money, I would like to use that amount of money for other things, but I will sacrifice this for the work of Christ at St. Patrick's. Let me tell you, the Grey Goose distribution is going to go way down in Lawrence as a result of my gift. That is a joke. Sacrificial. So when you look at what you're giving, is this truly a sacrifice for the love of God? If it is, you're right on track. So 100% participation. If you're watching this electronically, if you're watching this remotely, if you're listening to this podcast, 100% participation of everyone who's part of this community, generous and sacrificial. That is, I believe, truly Catholic faith now. Thank you for listening. To learn more and to get involved, go to stpatrickparish.com.